Today's show is made possible by your friends, Ron and Don, licensed realtors with Windermere Midtown. Um, I've bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life. <laughs> I feel like Don's lis- listening skills were um, superior. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Ron and Don. 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 Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much do I have to pay you for this? <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 139 of the Ron and Don Show. He's uh, Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. We're live from the shores of South Lake Union, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios today. Hey, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the police chief here, Carmen Best, who has been in front of the city council today, along with the mayor, and she's saying, hey, don't defund the police. Please don't defund the police. She's also saying, hey, Please don't show up at my house like you did at Jenny Durkin's house. And you're not going to believe what Karen Best's house is. Because at the end of the day, she is the police chief of Snohomish. Anyway, we'll get to that. Also, we have to get to this story. It's blowing up right now. Ellen, everybody thought she was really nice. And now we're finding out maybe not so nice. What is going on behind the scenes at Ellen and uh, that show? It's unbelievable. It's been on the air now for two decades. I thought she just replaced Oprah Winfrey. I thought she just replaced Rosie O'Donnell. But no, two decades it has been on the air, and now a lot of stars are coming out that have been on that show and saying, wow, it is a toxic work environment. Before we get to that, though, I want to get to this. In fact, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about my friend, Mary Dew. Do you know who Mary Dew is? I do not know Mary. Mary Dew is a really good friend of mine. She's in charge of the Special Olympics here in the great state of Washington. And so I've got to know Mary over the years. I've been very involved with the Special Olympics through Pierce County, Ed Troyer. He introduced me to her. And the Special Olympics, well... They do an incredible thing here in this state, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, if you've never been a hugger at a finish line at the Special Olympics, do yourself a treat and volunteer the next time we can actually be hugging in public, and it, it'll change your life. Hugging's not allowed anymore at the Special Olympics. People it's, were over-hugging, so even before COVID... Really? Yeah, you were allowed to give is, an arm bump, you can give a high five, you can... Cause well, be, I, be, a, be a cheerer, be a rooter on yeah, at the finish I, line. Yeah, I signed up to be a hugger. And then Mary's like, eh, no. You can't hug anymore. Okay, so I retract the hugging, but be down by the finish line. Be a cheerer, uh, someone rooting for that, and, and it, it will change your life. It's so inspiring uh, when you see this on uh, in, in person. Yeah. Anyway, she wrote something online that really, it's very captivating, and it's also very disturbing. And we're talking to you on an election day, and this is one of the reasons why Uh, people may be encouraged to vote today. And let's just talk about it. COVID-19, the president has called COVID-19 the China virus. And he's also called COVID-19 Kung flu. Kung flu. The China virus and Kung flu. And people go back and they'll look at other pandemics and they'll say, well, 100 years ago, they labeled a virus when there was a pandemic and they blamed it on a certain nationality that was a hundred years ago 
I don't know. Something 100 years ago is a really good excuse. And I think we're learning that now with the Black Lives Matter movement. There's been crap going on 10 years ago, five years ago, a couple days ago. And the Black Lives Matter music, and what we're finding out is uh, it's not okay. There's a story on NBC, and if you want to read it, it's about how Asian Americans right now in their businesses are getting hammered. And many of the restaurants, uh, dry cleaners, other they're closing. And the reason they're closing, because in droves, people are not coming. And as people are trying to save other restaurants right now by takeout and drive up, and it's not happening with Asian restaurants. And they can draw a straight line right now from the president saying Kung Flu and the China virus to what's happening now in hardworking Asian communities. And also... Some of the things that are beginning to happen, some of the violence that is happening on Asian Americans. I didn't realize this, and then I'll read what Mary wrote. I didn't realize this until I went out with my friend Eric Sano. Eric Sano is currently the commander of the North Precinct, and now he's been brought in to be the commander of the East Precinct. The East Precinct that was just taken over by protesters. So Eric now with SPD is going to go in, and he's a perfect man for the job he really is but he's asian american and when he was young and he would go to school and get his heart kicked and he told me this on a on a walk and talk we did a number of weeks ago he said my mom finally bought us shirts when we would go to school because this was during the vietnam war that said we aren't vietnamese we are japanese and because people thought he was vietnamese other kids would not only pick on him but they'd try to kick his heart along with his other family members. This is what Mary writes, Mary Do, an Asian American, on her Facebook page today, and it's a bit heartbreaking. She says, I've been battling with how to express how disappointing and infuriating it has been to see and hear that Asian Americans right now are being harassed. They're being attacked. They're being spit on. They're being bullied for something that we all equally are suffering from, this pandemic. If you need to condemn China, go ahead, all you want. But why encourage the hate for your own American people? We're all hurting right now. We're all impacted in some way concerning this pandemic. And yes, there's more than one pandemic happening. COVID-19 and the other one is racism. Many of you know me as a fun-loving person full of humor. I'm a passionate mom. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. It's true. When you look at her stuff online on TikTok, she's unbelievable. She is so great. So is her family. But did you know that I have to think about what type of harassment I may receive simply by going to the grocery store these days or when we travel even locally? The fact that I'm literally on guard every time I take my children out somewhere. I'm always armed with something when I leave my house. I'm worried sick that someone may hurt my mother who's had a cough from acid reflux and allergies and may be beaten or yelled at because she's Asian American. That while I'm writing this, I have a lump in my throat. I am saddened that I even have to explain that there's so much damage that has been done that's divided us even more. And the continued hate-filled rhetoric only casts the hate even wider and deflects that there still is no plan of accountability. The very people who have sworn an oath to represent and to look out for the welfare of all of us, all Americans, it's flawed right now. It is failing, you guys. 
And if your response is, well, the government is condemning China or other viruses have the origin's name in it. And the president said that he loves Asian Americans that one time. Then you have absolutely no understanding of the incredible amount of privilege that you have. Good for you. When it doesn't impact you personally, you don't see it, right? I hope your American mother never gets lit on fire while walking to the store. Or your child's face, I hope it never gets slashed by a knife while shopping with the father. And they're talking about things uh, that NBC has talked about in this article. Then she goes back, back with Mary. She says, I hope you don't get refused service or get spat on or told to go back to your country, chink, like is happening right now all throughout America. How sad is it that I'm waiting for this moment to happen to me or a loved one, but be damn sure I won't walk away and I will push back and I will fight back for all Asian Americans, for all Americans right now. And if you condemn this rhetoric, And this racism and this hate. If you condone it, we can't be friends. If you condemn it, we certainly can. And let's all go vote today. And again, she's talking about an article you read in NBCnews.com. It says Asian Americans face dual challenges, surging unemployment as their restaurants are closing. And also, racism is alive and well for a lot of Asian Americans. Yeah, this has been a, a sustained reckoning for America. And it's really been difficult for a lot of people because of it's been such a blind spot. And it's hard on so many different fronts. But a lot of them is, is because if you are in the majority and you were on the privileged side, the entire system has been set up to shield you from ever dealing with this. When you think about even our education uh, coming up through junior high and high school and and, in a lot of colleges, you look at textbooks and how they write about the history of America and and which people they want to spotlight, which people are heroic, which people are not heroic. Um, And you think of that so in some ways, I, I, I was talking to some uh, man in his, in his late 80s, and he has some viewpoints, and I try to be kind. because, like, you know, when, when he went to school at the University of Washington and before, the curriculum taught him what he's telling me right now. And why would he not? Why would he question that? If you're going to your high school or you're going to the University of Washington and you're looking at a professor and you read your textbooks and you ace all your tests, why would you think that that history was not correct? Why? And, and, you know, someone else has to come along to go, no, that's not really true and here's why. And then you have to unlearn the thing that you learned and then relearn a proper version of it. So... It is it is difficult on so many levels, and that's why it's 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 hard to watch to have unenlightened leaders, uh, unenlightened politicians that are trying to hold on with white knuckles, white to, knuckles, with white knuckles, with literally white knuckles, with literal white knuckles, white knuckles. Yes, uh, they're trying to claw onto this history that, in large part, was invented and crafted to make white people feel more comfortable with some shameful things that happened. Mm. That's the honest truth. And until as white people, we are going to take a look in the mirror and go, yeah, there's, there was no such thing as the, as the kind slave owner. Like that didn't exist. 
There's no such thing as the economy of the United States that that chugged right along when you know there wasn't slave labor to bolster it. Like that didn't exist. And so when we like to think about all of these things in in the 2020 mindset, you have to include that. You just have to you have to go back and revise what you learned uh, in in high school. And so for for this person, for Mary, uh, being an Asian American, um, she's an American. She's an American citizen. And so the fact that my ancestors came from Scotland and your ancestors came from Ireland. That's the same exact thing, exactly the same thing as someone's ancestors that come from an Asian country yeah. or an African and, country. And people are afraid to label the president, and, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. He's a racist. He's a bigot. And if you vote for him, and I've never said this before, but after reading what Mary wrote, you are voting for a racist. You are voting for a bigot. You are voting for a television star that all he cares about are his ratings. And he will say anything to get back in office. And if he feels like he can't get back in office, then he'll try to postpone the election like he's doing right now. Because he says he doesn't like to lose. You're not going to see a Black Lives Matter uh, t-shirt on Donald Trump anytime soon. Because he's making white America great. We'll see you on the other side of this. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. That's what Heather and Juan Carlos did. We lived in Redmond, and the kids went to school there. We loved it. We loved it, so we were super worried about leaving, but I, it just had to happen. Ron and Don proposed a sit-down, so they came over to our house, and they could tell that I was like super excited and ready to go and frenzied and breathless, and they could tell right away that Juan Carlos was like measured and careful. They came super prepared and they came more in learning mode, right? And what was important to each of us. I want to look at the data and the details. I don't, it, for me, it's a big investment and I don't want to rush into things. And they were quick to see that, even though I never told them. Uh, and I really appreciated that. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. Like, <laughs> The market was super hot right then, and so there were a lot of people clamoring for it. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete in that kind of a field. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening, you guys. I realize it's not easy. Charlie the dog and I have to listen to these two jokers every day. All right, you guys, episode 139 of the Ron and Don Show, and a lot of people are beating up Ellen right now, and I don't know if they should be. What is the story? What's happening with Boy, this is an interesting one because Ellen's public persona 
is one of extreme kindness. Like if you watch her show uh, or like I, I subscribe to her YouTube channel, there's it's a steady stream of her bestowing gifts on people, of finding even little kids that she finds endearing, bringing them on and giving them uh, lavish experiences, uh, paying for people's you know, surgery or their house or a vacation or like that's kind of her what she's known for. Is she paying for it though, or, or is the N- normally is, it's through a sponsor or whatever? But she's she's orchestrating it. Like the the show is facilitating. Yeah, good the philanthropy part of it is important. I don't know, it's probably not coming out of her own pocket, but she's like the person in charge of. She set the course of the show. Yeah, and like that's what she wants to be known for. I love I love that she's known. For now it. there's a movement right now. Uh, uh, I think part of it's a takedown culture. Part of it is where does the buck stop? So, so far I've read of zero specific allegations against Ellen other than that she can be a diva and that she personally can be difficult to, to work with be, by ex-employees. And be cold to... And no, be, and there, be there's cold. been guests that have said, hey, she when the, when the light goes on, she's smiling, sunshine and sugar. And when the light's off, she won't even talk to me. So, so, and then he, but here's the, the real allegations that are coming out right now. There's a Buzzfeed story and a Washington post story. And there's uh, multiple things online. If you want to read all the, the details, but the, the, here's suffice it to say, there are allegations from ex employees that say two things. One, when COVID happened, I was hung out to dry. And so they scaled down the show production. She's been doing a lot of things from her house, and I was just let go. Uh, and I, I was given very little kindness uh, for all my service to the show. That's one thing. Two is that there are two, at least two uh, executives on the show that are involved in rampant sexual harassment. And here's where it gets interesting. One of them is a heterosexual man that's hitting and inappropriately touching staffers. Mm. The other one is a gay man yeah. who is making comments towards male employees that are unwanted. And they're saying that this is ultimately Ellen's responsibility because her name is on the marquee. So I guess take them one at a time. Um, As someone who has hosted a show for a lot of years, um, yes, your persona changes when the red light goes on. It just does. Like, this is not how Don and I talk when we meet at 7 a.m. for our daily Zoom call. We don't log in and go, hey, Don, how you doing this morning? Great, Ron. Let's talk about our new thing going on. Like, we, we don't have the same energy. We don't have the same flow. We don't keep, uh, you know, the, the dead air moving as much. Like, when we're just having a conversation, it's way less energy than this. And there will be gaps of 10, 15, 20 seconds sometimes when you're doing something or I'm doing something something so yeah when the red light changes your persona changes and you kind of turn it on having said that there are kindnesses that you can have uh off air so like when jimmy carter one of the reasons why i loved him so much as a guest when the we were on commercial break he was genuine he he appeared to be genuinely interested in you and i where are you guys from uh where'd you grow up uh, you know, talk about your families, talk about your parents, talk about where you've been. Do you guys like peanuts? Do you guys like peanuts? Yeah. Like he would tell us some story anecdotes off the air. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to do that. There's no, there's no law that says that I have to be a certain way. Garth, you, let me. I'll just throw some out. Garth Brooks. What was Garth he like? Brooks was was that way. He was. Up. Here's the thing, though, that a lot of people don't know. Show Crow. When Show Crow, not so much. Yeah. When when you are when you're the host of a show, Amy Fisher. When you're the host of a show, hung up the phone, uh, and you have an earpiece in that we don't usually see, your director 
is talking to you on that commercial break. And so while it seems like I'm just sitting there next to the guest, in reality, and, and again, I could be totally wrong on this because I don't have first-hand knowledge of Ellen, but I guarantee you that in her head, her director is saying, okay, the next segment is this. Make sure that you mention blank street loans because they're the ones that paid for this check that you're about to give. We have to give them two mentions. That's in the contract. And then also this segment needs to be seven minutes. And don't forget that we're going to, you know, you need to plug this future guest and we got to do the tease afterwards. And da, da, da. so they're giving you direction. When you walk over, make sure you hit your mark. There's a green piece of tape on the floor. That's where the camera's set up and it's lit to land on the green mark. So there's like all kinds of direction that you're getting fed into your earphone. You're trying to concentrate and she might be looking at some cards to make sure she hits all her marks there's a lot going on so maybe you don't have time to chit chat how at so there, there's that but the sexual harassment culture that one is worrisome to me if your name's on the marquee yeah well she she wrote a letter and she said she was unaware and she said the she did say that the buck stops with her and that changing the culture at her show was going to be very important to her i i will say this if you see someone on television, your your thoughts of them in your mind and in your heart, it just magnifies. And when you see them, it just comes out uncontrollably for people sometimes. They lose all sense of boundaries. They lose all sense of boundaries. And so I would imagine for her, whether she's going out to eat or she's out with her wife or she's out with her kids uh, or she's on the set, that there are people that step over the boundaries all the time. And a producer's job is to let people know that are part of the show, that this is where the boundaries are. Because if you don't create boundaries for people and they continually step over them, and then Ellen has to remind people uh, about the boundaries, then she looks like a bad person. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad when you're doing a television show and a performance to let people know. Steve Harvey does this. And people think he's a real hard her. Uh, when he is doing his radio show or when he's doing a television show, he has very, very specific boundaries. Bands. You and I used to be in top 40 and in rock music. We introduced a lot of bands. So like, for instance, Metallica, they have very, very specific boundaries. They write something called a rider. And in this rider, sometimes the rider can be 50 pages. And it talks about, for instance, James Hatfield. He gets his own room, the lead singer of Metallica. All the guys do. This is what's going to be in the room. This is the color of the couch. These are the flowers. These are the socks. This is the milky drinks. This is when the masseuse comes in. Because they're doing this night after night after night. And if they don't create boundaries, because then they allow fans to come backstage. And you get to meet those guys. And it's a meet and greet. And in that meet and greet, those guys have to turn it on, right? But then they also have to go prepare to do a show, whatever it takes. Those guys have a warm-up room, for instance. So you have your drums, your guitar, your singing, whatever. So we have to understand that these performers, it's the job of the producers to create boundaries. And when these performers are interacting sometimes with other stars or they're interacting with some fans, sometimes they may appear to be cold. But to your point, they're just focused on putting on the best show, the best television show that they can do, that they can produce. And it's those producers' jobs not to sit there and sexually harass people, but sometimes they have to be a little bit of a hard hunt to let people know where the boundaries are. Here's the other thing, and I'm going to sound like an a-hole probably when I say this. Everybody thinks they do a really good job, and it's not true. So 
when you what are, what are you and what what context? I mean I is when I'm an ex employee of the Ellen Show or of the Ron and Don Show, you may have just been a bad employee. You might have thought that you were really good, and maybe you weren't. And so instead of someone telling you that, a lot of times you're just let go. When it comes time, maybe they're you know the COVID thing gave them an opportunity to go. You know what? There's this people that we've been that have been on the the chopping block for a while they're just not performing or they're just not a good fit this sort of gives us a chance to get rid of them and maybe that's and, what and happened with us on terrestrial radio it, it could have happened maybe with us we weren't as good as we thought we were of course that's and absolutely a possibility decided, hey you know what second place isn't good enough we prefer 18th so we're going to bring in a different show and let them be 18th because the second place guys ron and don we've had enough of those guys that's absolutely true bunch of prima donnas get them out of the building could so, have been so yeah. i'm just leaving that open to be now if i start reading valid reported evidentiary things about ellen where it's like, here's a text exchange where Ellen uh, was demeaning. Or here's emails where Ellen flew off the handle. Or here's some outtakes of a video clip because the camera was rolling where Ellen berated an employee or used a sexually in- inappropriate comment. If I see that, then I'm going to call. Uh, I would be on board with Ellen being, you know, I don't know if she'd lose her show. Depends on what the thing was. But I'd be on board with that. Just to say... You had a bad actor in your company. Um, the whole show needs to go down. I, I don't know if I'm no. there yet. I, I don't believe in this takedown culture. I think people get a chance to evolve and change. I also think people get a chance to be wrong and then be pointed out that they're wrong and admit that they yeah. were wrong. We Early on, and we'll finish with this, early on when we were doing uh, music radio, we met Cheryl Crow. And Cheryl came in with her dog, and she walked into the studio. And before she walked in, we were told that, hey, Cheryl's not going to talk to you until the microphone's on. And we thought that that was rather cold and rather mean. But then we found out that she was performing that night. And as a performer, uh, she doesn't lip sync. She sings all those songs. And so what she wants to make sure that she does, and her producers want to make sure, is that she hangs on to her voice. And if she's sitting there with you, and let's say she's doing a talk show, uh, and she was in San Francisco at the time. Well, she's supposed to be on five other radio shows and five other television shows. If she's sitting there and talking to everybody the whole entire time, then when it's time to go and do that show that night, you're just toast, you're dust. And so what we found out is, hey, it wasn't anything personal. It was just Sheryl Crow and her producers making sure that she could bring it when the lights went on for the audience that night. And I bet in a lot of ways, that's what happened with Steve Harvey. That's what happens with Ellen, and that's what happens with Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks has handlers that can be real jerks, but that's so he can be a sweetheart when he finally comes, sits down, and he does the interview, which he surely is, all right? And in the end, Cheryl Crow was too, and I think Ellen probably is also, you guys. We come back. If you're the chief of police in Seattle, should you have to live in Seattle? Let's talk about that next. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. We could use your help to spread the word that Ron and Don Radio can now be heard worldwide on your phone at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Please tell someone and hit subscribe.
Hey, you guys, final segment of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. And if you're ready to sit down, where do you go? RonandDonSitdown.com. We'd love it. Check it out. There's stories from uh, folks that we've done transactions with. You can hear their story in their own voice. Uh, you can see uh, pictures of, of me and Don. Some of them uh, <laughs> are kind of funny. I uh, Check those out. And then uh, when you're ready to sit down, just go ahead and, and reach out to us and you can sit down. Yeah, and of course, we're talking about your real estate journey, buying, selling, investing, or, or you just have questions we met with uh, our friend rex the other day he just had a lot of questions and he may not be selling for a year or two but at least he has some more information now uh as he thinks about uh buying or selling down the road so let's do this real quick i have some police officer friends and i have to say that most of them that work for spd i can only think of two of them that actually live in the city uh the rest of them either live in the north end the south end reason being number one you can just buy more home in the north end or the south end and even though that cops are paid fairly well uh you're not paid enough if you want to live in a nice house let's say in madison park uh that's not going to happen if that's your only source of income now if you've invested and you have other passive income well then sure or if you look at someone like the mayor the mayor lives in a nine million dollar house right so she must have invested wisely over the years because i don't think she's buying a nine million dollar house in the city of seattle uh on a mayor's income even though she's paid okay car invest the police chief um I was kind of amazed to find out the police chief of Seattle doesn't doesn't live in Seattle, right? No. So she wrote a letter because there are protesters that uh, found out where she lived and they are protesting uh, by her house. And it turns out she lives in Snohomish County. And um, she has said, hey, this can we do something about this basically to the council? And I, I see her point. She's she's a black woman. Uh, she is doing her best to do a fair and equitable job. You would think if there's ever going to be someone that knows the plight of uh, black people in America, that Carmen Best, a female police chief that rose through the ranks, would probably have stories for days. Um, should you be, and this has happened in front of the mayor's house, this goes all the way back to Mayor Nichols and probably before, where people would find their house uh, and then protest in front of the house. But Mayor Nichols lived in West Seattle. We know that yep. Jenny Durkin, they marched on her house the other day. She didn't like it. Uh, she lives in Seattle. It's different, though. Carmen Best is the chief police of Seattle, Washington, and doesn't live in Seattle. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a requirement. Um, you know, what if she lived just in Bothell or something that's close by, to your point? Like, she may have had this house for years and years and years when she was making her way up through the ranks and wasn't making the kind of money that she makes now. So I don't fault her for choosing where she wants to live. I've lived all over the place and worked in Seattle, and I've also lived in Seattle uh, as well. So that I don't think is an issue. The real issue is, do public figures deserve some sort of protection from protesters? Uh, when you are the mayor or you are the chief of police, um, you you. At its very basic, you are signing up to be a public servant. Jenny Durkin did make more money when she was a private lawyer than she does right now. That's that's clear. So there is part of it, regardless of what you think of her politics, part of the motivation there is power. But part of it is, I would like to see if I could do some good. Well, in she the worked world. for the U.S. Attorney's Office, and her point was, when, you, when you're a U.S. Attorney... And we saw the U.S. attorney that was murdered here a number of years ago on Queen Anne. And she was concerned about somebody knowing where she lived because of some of the cases that she's prosecuting. And that's, I think that's fair. So uh, 
I think that people have the right to protest. I think going to a neighborhood to specifically protest shows a little bit of naivete on the protesters' parts. If you think, I'm going to go hold up a sign in front of the chief of police house, and then the demand that I have in, on my sign is then going to happen... Um, is very naive. That, I don't that's know, not you how got, change works. A lot of times when you do this, though, you want a reaction. You got a huge reaction from Jenny Durkin. Jenny Durkin wrote a letter to the city council, and she wanted people fired. She wanted Shama Sawant. She wanted an investigation. She wanted her fired and taken off the city council. Uh, she was 38 hot about that. And here she was weeks before when people were doing what they did in the chop. And there were people that lived in that area that were very upset. Jenny Durkin came out and said, hey, summer of love. What are you guys upset about? And people are like, well, we're trying to go to sleep. And you're firing tear gas and I can't sleep. Or tear gas is coming through the windows and I have a little girl that lives here. Uh, Can we cut this crap out? Then all of a sudden they march on her house and it was different. She wasn't there. She's very upset. She writes a letter. How dare they? And then she used the U.S. Attorney badge uh, there. With 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 Carmen Best out in Snohomish, what is the city council going to do? They can't stop people from going out to Snohomish. She's talking to the wrong people. Now, of course, there was people like Shama Sawant, for instance, that will encourage these things to happen out in Snohomish or to happen here in Seattle at Jenny Durkin's house and maybe even lead the charge. Maybe. You could say something to her about that, but then all that does is gives her more fuel for her fire. And at some point, I think Shama Swan probably sees her as the mayor of Seattle or the governor or maybe the president of the United States. Yeah, and to your point that you've said a bunch of times on the show, and it is ironic that today's an election day, you're actually going to see substantive change, not by holding up a banner necessarily. Well, I do think the public protests have an impact because they have in the George Floyd case for sure uh, in mass. But really, it's going to come down to doing the grunt work to get elected. Like you go be on the school board. You go be on the city council. You go be the treasurer of a small town and then win that election and then work your way up. Uh, you 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 try to be in the House of Representatives. You go be a police officer like Carmen Best was after being a phenomenal track athlete, right? Uh, and knowing how to compete. And then 30 years, and she almost gets passed over. She'd been passed over before by Jenny Durkin, and then she ends up landing this role. It was 30 years for her on the inside of being a community police officer. They didn't hire her from the outside. So to your point, she she did the work. She laid the groundwork. And that's something that I would love to see with some of these protests is where's the booth where I can sign up to vote? Where's the booth where I can sign up and learn how I can become a cop or how I can become uh, a politician or how I can become part of the school board? How can I become part of... How can I become a teacher? How can I write new textbooks? How can I be a writer? How can I do all these things? And to bring this episode around full circle, when we talked on segment one, that's how the education system in America got so screwed up. Because you had a coordinated effort from the Daughters of the Confederacy to get elected onto school boards and approve the textbook that they wanted approved in that school district. That's true. And they did it district by district, systematically throughout the South and in some places in the North. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where then when you get into the, the mid to late 19, like 
30, 40 years ago, you could open up textbooks in counties in America that just have wrong information in it. How 30, did it 40 years it? ago, you could do that right now. You could probably do it right now. No, you could. Yeah, so Absolutely. you can do it right now. You could How it. did that information get in there? Because someone said, well, who's in charge of the textbooks? Oh, the school board is? Well, I'm going to run for the school board. Yeah. And then once I get on that school board, I'm never going to go off the school board. And I'm going to make sure that the version of history I want to be told ends up in the, in the textbook. If you would have had... Black Americans on those school boards in the South, that would, which would have been very difficult. I understand that. The history would have been very, very different right now. Yeah. You think they're going to fire 700 Seattle police officers and defund the police? Because no. that's it's what be the city council game. is talking about doing. And Jenny Durkin can veto it, but not if it's a super vote. If there's a super vote by the city council. Uh, they have a contract with the union. Then that would pass. So. They have a contract with the union. Doesn't mean you can't get fired. You can still get fired. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. If you don't have the money, you don't have the money. So contract or no contract, the money's not there. It's not there. So I'll give you the final say on today's uh, show, Ron, of the Ron and Don. Yeah. Everything that pointed in one direction, make sure you vote. Vote early. Vote often, as the cliche goes. Uh, But especially now, we're in a voting season for the next couple months. So find out what's important to you. Go out and make your voice heard. And, uh, you know, that's the the biggest thing we can do in America, especially if you have a kid, uh, a child, a grandchild that is a voting age. Empower them to vote empower them to vote yeah. hey guys thanks for listening to episode 139 once again don't forget we're licensed brokers at windermere we love to sit down with you we can do that virtually or we can put some mask on and socially distance and look at your property that way too in fact we've done uh, some of that this week so we love to help we love to be a service if we can do that go to our website ronanddonsitdown.com that's ronanddonsitdown.com And uh, we'll come and sit down with you. All right? You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time for episode 140. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill, brains of this operation, and the voice of the Ron and Don Show. Well, that's it. Show's over. We'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.